Welcome back to yet another episode of the ERG Movement Podcast. I'm super excited for our guest today. I want to tell you there's going to be gems dropped in this podcast. Whitney, I'm just going to have you introduce yourself. Absolutely. So my name is Whitney Arshon. I am a DE&I program specialist and a founder of a Black Employee Resource Group at my company. Let's talk a little bit about that founder piece, because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who want to start an ERG, but they just don't even know where to start. So what does that founder journey look like? Absolutely. It's not an easy one. And like you said, most people don't know where to start. I can't say that I had it all figured out either when I started, but it's a need. When you feel the need or there's a group of you that feel that need, there's strength in numbers. They say that all the time. And so being able to have other people who also feel passionately about the thing that you want to do, in this case, employee resource groups, and getting together and really saying, okay, let's do this. And what are the things that we need to do? And who do we need to present it to in order to, to make this a reality? And so I was at least blessed in the position that I was in the HR department. I started off in talent acquisition. And so being in that space and in that realm, having the connections to the HR group already to be able to start having those conversations and having those needs met within that department. In particular, for my employee resource group, we are called 34 Plus. And I'll give you just a little bit about that background story. Like many employee resource groups, especially the Black employee resource groups, they started post or in the middle of 2020, summer of 2020, post George Floyd. And so understanding everything that was going around and there being a gap in corporate, in corporate America of addressing the needs of their Black employees. And so really, my story, if you will, is writing a passionate, tear-filled email that probably had a million and one typos in it because I definitely wrote it with all of the emotions that I had at the time and sent it to our CEO. He didn't know who I was. He, I was, you know, at the time, just another employee, but sending it, telling him there, there's a need here, there's a gap, and we need to address this. And I I can no longer sit by as an employee and and just allow these things to continue to happen. And not that anything horrible was happening, but just still the the company cultures that were being built and just the atmospheres created that didn't prioritize the black employees, I should say. And in doing that, he emailed me back. It took a couple of days, but I got an email response and he said, "Yes, let's do it. Let's set up a town hall." And from there, we found out that in our company of over 7,000 employees at the time, there were only 34 of us that were black. And so I think that definitely goes to show the the need for this group and the need for these types of meetings and having this. And so really sitting back and listening to those stories, he didn't do a lot of talking. He listened and I will say he listened well because we all walked away from that understanding that an employee resource group was needed. Um, and he personally volunteered and stepped up to be the executive sponsor for that. So I'm extremely grateful for that. And you know, the, the rest is history. I've been helping to lead the ERG ever since. And now I actually... I'm in charge. I've moved out of talent acquisition and now I'm in charge of program managing employee resource groups. That is huge. When I tell you when I first heard your story, I fell in love with it. Still I'm in love with it. Just with that, even with the name, the 34 plus, it's so powerful. Because even as representation grows in the company, there's still that reminder that like there's still room to grow. Absolutely. And I would say like just, you know, the plus being there's there's more of us now. So I will say that we have increased that number over, you know, 600%, so sixfold. So I definitely want to, you know, toot our horns in that. But in addition, the plus representing allies and everybody else that wants to join us on this journey, you know, it, centering Black lives and Black employees and really, you know, carving a space where they feel welcomed in the workplace. Now, when it, after the town hall ended, how did it go from town hall to now employee resource group? 
so we had this town hall and understanding that a group needed to be formed. And he did in the meeting leave talking about his commitment to do better, but didn't outright state that he would become the executive sponsor. I would say that happened in a subsequent meeting. Actually, one of the HR representatives who helped get everybody together, get the names to do all of, to, to attend the meeting, set up a, a follow-up meeting the week after calling for people to step up because we did outline an employee resource group was needed. We did specifically say that. And so in this follow-up, now that we've gotten the approval, if you will, and the say-so from the CEO, let's, let's do this. And so getting the group back together and talking about our, well, you know, who's interested in leading, who is passionate about this and who has the bandwidth to be able to do this now. And, you know, what resources do you need? Understanding that people are coming from different parts of the company and may not have the same seniority levels or leadership experience, but really the driving piece being that passion and the want to make a difference and a change. And how long ago was that? Oh, you said in 2020, this all happened. Correct. So it was summer of 2020. I would say I can remember exactly the date that I wrote that tearful email. It was June 6th. And so by the end of that month, we had started an employee resource group. Mm. And what changes have you seen since then within your ER? So like most companies, there are ebbs and flows and several things just worldwide and nationally in the United States have happened. And so people have come and gone. And so we've seen shifts in who's still leading and who has stepped up to lead. And in addition, right, I like I explained there, we have increased our numbers. So we are no longer 34 just in the company. We have increased it, you know, sixfold. And so in doing that, I would say that's one of the bigger ones. But also the amount of people, I and I think I was, you know, pleasantly shocked, I wouldn't even say surprised, shocked of the amount of allies that stepped up and said, I may just be starting my allyship journey, but I would love to learn more of how I can support and where I fit in in this, in this group and how can I contribute. Now with that, what are some tips that you give? Because I think that even today, there's a lot of allies that are in ERGs, but they don't really know what to do. Absolutely. I would look, I mean, I think this is a simple one and an easy one that people always say, but it absolutely remains true and rings really loudly for me. Look at the type of media that you're consuming. Look at the people that you surround yourself with. Look at the influences in your life and really start to evaluate, do they align with the in this instance, diversity values that you hold for yourself and the, you know, the the same beliefs that you hold about people. Because if they don't, have you been allowing them to have that past because I'm not racist or I I don't do those things, but you know, that's just my aunt Carol. That's just so-and-so and that's just how they were raised or that's their generation. And really start to analyze and scrutinize that and, and, and you don't have to be negative about it, but you know, start to ask questions. Why? Why do you feel those things? Why do you, why do you do those things? And I think that's the, if you're in the very beginning stages of your allyship journey, that's a, that's one that you, that shouldn't feel daunting. Another one that I would definitely say is how allies can help in, within an employee resource group. If you are in a position to advocate for someone, if you are in a position to sponsor someone, if you are in a position to provide funds, maybe you have extra budget money. There is there that is great. Employee resource groups, regardless if it's a black employee resource group or any of the resource groups that I work with and I and I help them with with managing that, money always comes up, budget. And so how how can you be part of that and help them get the resources, help them amplify their voices, help them get the attention from the people that you have the attention of? So if it's somebody in the C-suite, pitch one of those ideas. And when they say that's a great idea, say, well, actually, I got it from, you know, this employee resource group member that I would love to introduce you to and bring to the next meeting. So I think that there are lots of ways to go about it, it is absolutely being strategic and being intentional because allyship is not 
you know, you're not an ally. Allyship is a verb. It is something that you do. It is an everyday thing. And yes, you know, you can do things that are, you know, ally-like, but in then other instances, you know, do the complete opposite. So it is, it is a journey and you constantly work towards it every single day. Something big that comes up a lot in the ERG space is accountability too. A lot of the time, this largely falls on ERG leader accountability or executive accountability. I'm curious on what your thoughts are when it comes to accountability for allies or even maybe just like membership in general. Absolutely. It's funny that you asked that because I could go on and on about this all day, but I love talking about it. So oftentimes, and you know, most of the narrative around employee resource groups talks about the accountability at the executive sponsor level or the accountability of the leaders of the company or managers. And then we even might even see some accountability of our employee resource group leaders and how we hold them accountable to the goals that they set forth and making sure that they are, you know, taking actions to support the business and also addressing the needs and concerns of their groups. But I don't think we talk enough about accountability of our allies and members and those that are within the groups itself. And how are we holding them accountable? And so some of the things that I personally talk about with our employee resource groups is we create and we put a lot of opportunities forward for for members, for employees and things like that. And so how can they show up? How can they make sure that they are accountable and doing the things that they need to do? So that way we can continue to get funding. So that way we can continue to do these big things like the Afrotex, the Grace Hoppers, the Swees. And so I'm naming technical conferences, but I mean, you can insert any major conference there, the South by Southwest's here in Austin. And so I think that, you know, in doing this, we have metrics that we have to uphold as leaders. We have metrics that we have to uphold as program managers and making sure that we drive those. But ultimately, our members, our allies are really going to be the ones that make it successful on our behalf. And so if I put together a mentorship or a sponsorship program and nobody signs up or they sign up and they're not going to the meetings, they're not following through, they're not taking it seriously, what does that look like? How does that reflect upon this employee resource group, its leaders, and and is this even needed? Why are we spending this money on these activities? And so understanding that and holding them accountable if we set up volunteering events or we're supposed to show up somewhere and nobody signs up, nobody shows up, that not only reflects poorly on the employee resource group, but then externally, we're talking external events that reflects poorly on the company. And so really making sure that we hold our members and our allies accountable. I can imagine the follow-up question that everyone has to that is how, how do you hold your members accountable in a space that they joined voluntarily, but now they don't do anything? Absolutely. So some of the things that I found that are that are efficient are soliciting events in advance. So prior to even beginning to plan them, when you are in the planning stages or at the idea creation stage, soliciting those events. If we do this, we're going to need 10 volunteers. I need firm commitments. I need you to put them on your calendars. I need you to get those approvals. So that way, when we do this, we have that already. And then going through that process. Another way to do that is also sitting down and talking personally with them and getting really candid and saying, hey, what is it that you are good at? Whether it's joining a subcommittee and here's where you can sh- you know, showcase your talents or what is it that is standing in your way from being great in this opportunity that, like you said, you have volunteered for. Nobody is forcing you to do these things. You have volunteered. And so in that volunteering, what is it that is stopping you from being successful? And let's talk about how we can either remove some of those roadblocks or hurdles for you or help you lift that load. And, and you know, just, it, I think it ultimately comes down to communication, understanding, 
and 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 knowing people and having that vulnerability and having that connection with them to be able to have those safe conversations and make those safe spaces to where they can be honest and say, hey, you know what, like, maybe I did mess up, maybe I did drop the ball. And you know, I'm so sorry about that. I won't be able to make this deadline. But you know what, I reached out to so and so. And if connects with them, I'm pretty sure they can fill in my spot. Or something personal is going on at home. And if that's the case, then what can I do to alleviate some of this burden so that way we can make it to the end goal for this? And and just helping people. I believe on a previous episode, we you discussed about the the conversations and the training that goes into not just the leaders, but also talking about the members as well. I believe it was like on Afrotech, speaking of which, and training them before they go down there and represent the company. Having those trainings and having you know people understand the roles and responsibilities and what is expected of them ahead of time is is absolutely how you're going to you know keep that accountability piece what are some learnings because i mean you're asking members that's already huge because i think a lot of people it sounds like an obvious thing but a lot of people miss that step where they ask people how can i best support you but i'm curious if there's been any interesting learnings in that or unexpected type of responses trends that you hear from people in terms of how they want to be engaged in ergs Absolutely. Something that wasn't necessarily related to employee resource groups, but things that I have noticed in my time, things that you might take for granted, things that you may think are obvious, and maybe you have been blessed with these things, and so you did not have to worry about them, could actually be roadblocks for other people. And an example of that is, I remember doing onboarding, and we would send you know, the onboarding paperwork virtually, and the person was like, hey, I don't get off my current job till seven and the library is closed because I don't have a computer at that point. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And I remember saying, well, what time do you take your lunch? Like, let's, let's try and figure out. And so we sat there, we, we came up with a plan to get that onboarding paperwork done. And so that's not necessarily, that's a talent acquisition portion of it an onboarding HR point, but like the same approach applies to employee resource groups. You have to still get creative. You still have to take that time. And so, you know, for an employee resource group example, sitting down and saying, okay, like, what is what is it that you're working on? What is it that you're doing? And I realize that the employee resource group is not maybe the job that is paying you. Like you were again, you're a volunteer in this capacity. But where where do you have wiggle room? Where do you have things that could wait a week while we grind through this? And then where can I step in or maybe you know advocate for you on on this or you know speak to someone so that way we can get this done? Yeah, I love that too. Just understanding accessibility. And what that means in different capacities, a lot of time we think about just like physical ways that that shows itself, but even just in terms of being able to access, like you said, the resources to participate in it. Exactly, exactly. I think that was further into the scale example, but even something closer to home for me is I'm a single parent. I have two children under the age of 10. And so in doing that, if my kid gets sick or one of my children gets sick, that's that's me spending time now with that sick child. Well, again, I'm a single parent and I have two kids. Do you think two kids stay away from each other under the age of 10? No. So now my other child's going to end up getting sick. And by the time I'm done taking care of both of them, more than likely, believe it or not, I'm going to be sick as well. And so these things impact my work. They impact my job. They impact my ability as an employee resource group leader. And so if that is the case, if I am having to take care of sick children, if I am having to drive a parent to doctor's appointments or whatever it may be, it, it doesn't have to be work-related. I mean, yes, we we talked about the example of me speaking to somebody to help get your, your load, you know, lifted off of you, but they could be external to your job. And so where is it that I can help you? Because again, at the end of the day, like employee resource groups are communities. 
And so we are here to be a resource at the bare minimum. And so as a group, as a community, how can we be a resource? How can we help you? How can we lend you the resources that we have within our fingertips to to help you? As a follow-up, if you've seen any examples of ERGs accommodating their members in ways that might just be outside of the box or even just just different. So like where someone might just always default into like, oh, let's hop on a Zoom meeting and, you know, we'll all be good. Are there any like unique ways of engaging members that you've seen? Absolutely. So we started a thing where we have a list of our members and as new hires come in, we divvy, divvy up the list. And that list is always rotating and changing. And so each quarter we we take a chunk between myself and the other co-leads and divide it up and reach out personally. I put time on their calendar. Let's let's have a lunch date. Let's get to know one another. I am Whitney. I founded and I lead 34 plus. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I see that you just joined the company. And so how can I help you? What do you how do you like it so far? Be honest with me. What have you noticed so far? Where where are you? have you struggled yet? And if, if not great, like, I'm glad we're doing something well, but you know, like, let's keep this going. This is not a one time I put time and we had lunch. This is a, we know each other now. So next time you need any help, or if you have any issues, Slack me, you have a question, send it my way. If I can answer it, fantastic. If I know the person who can answer it and it's not me, I'll make the introduction for you. And so very much building that community one block at a time. And, you know, and then next quarter comes that person doesn't go away. They know me. Now we rotate, you get the next co-lead and you get to know them and they get to know you in those ways. And I get a different list and we go through those. And so now we've made connections with all of the members. And so you at least have that connection. You know, my face, we've been introduced. You shouldn't feel awkward coming to me because we've had lunch. We've had these conversations and it wasn't a one-time thing. The door is open. If you would, you know, want to further that relationship or that conversation. Have you seen that be successful with engagement? I would absolutely say it absolutely helps those that don't understand how to navigate certain environments, like for example, new hires. So in doing this, it's been extremely helpful in building the relationship with those that are brand new to the company or brand new to our employee resource group and maybe don't understand, maybe they didn't have a company that had employee resource groups previously. Maybe they um, are, you know, starting their first career or maybe they're a seasoned employee and were not previously involved with employee resource groups. And so this is their first time, you know, joining and finding out more. And so, yes, absolutely. With the the new members, I find it extremely effective because when they have those questions, it's you have somebody you can go to. You have a whole network of people where you can ask those questions and be your authentic self and not have to worry about the hesitations that come with multiple, you know, various identities and intersecting identities as well. I love that. And I feel like with a program like that, a lot of ERG leaders try to do like a one-on-one networking piece what would you say works about the one that you all have existing with these new members that really makes people want to come to these meetings and actually like be honest with their with their feelings absolutely i mean safe spaces are not created overnight and they're not created in a silo either it's going to take some work some effort people to to help make that happen and so i would say you know keep at it it's not you, you talk to them one time, you have that lunch or that one-on-one with them. And then, you know, great, safe space. You know, we're done. They're going to tell me their, their life streams and how I can help and, you know, be a resource to them. That's, that's the reality situation. That's not realistic. And so in doing this, I mean, honestly, my approach, and it may sound basic, it may sound really simple and cheesy. I reach out on Slack. Hey, 
how you doing? My name is Whitney. I saw that you attended the last meeting. I'm trying to get to know our allies or people that are interested in learning more about 34 plus. And how can I help you? Like, let's put some time. When do you take lunch? What day is good for you? Is your calendar up to date? And I'll schedule the meeting. It doesn't have to be long. It doesn't have to be any of that. And let's find a time. It doesn't even have to be lunch. Let's, let's get breakfast. Let's get, before you start today, is that the best time for you? Great. Let's bring, bring the coffee and we'll, we'll, we'll just chat and find out more about each other. It's not a, it's not a work thing. This is a human thing. It's a connection thing. And so how can I get to know you as a person? How can I get to know you? Because I think in getting to know you, you will be able to see that I'm genuine, see that I authentically care, come forward when you do have an issue or you do feel uncomfortable or you do need something. And it's not awkward. It's not, you don't hesitate in, in asking. And then I would say, because I think that model works in companies where the employee resource groups are not thousands and thousands of people. So I'm aware of that. And there is a different approach there. In creating safe spaces, I would say, honestly, what I have seen be effective is when you have higher and more senior level people telling their whole truth and being their whole authentic selves. Mm. Because I think that breaks the ice for those that may be hesitant and don't think that this is either the appropriate time or that people care. So when you have an executive who comes in and says, hey, you know what? I also grew up in a single parent household. We struggled. My lights were out. And because of that, I saw the value of hard work. And I understand when my employees come forward and they say, hey, I'm struggling as well, or I need to leave early to go pick up my kids because I'm also a single parent and the school calls and says, I need to get my sick child or what have you, because they've shared that story and they've told this, then people feel more comfortable saying, thank you. I needed that to have that bravery or whatever it is to have those conversations or to ask for that because I saw this person do it. And then other people in between as well. So not just the senior executives, because there's also power dynamics where you're that high up. And so therefore, you know, you could also change it and say, well, they have that privilege. I don't. So having people share their stories and their truths and showing that they're bringing their whole selves eventually leads others to do the same. I always tell people like people don't need permission per se. And that's what I would say. I didn't get permission to write that email to the CEO. I'm pretty sure if I had asked permission, somebody would have said no, or let me preview it first or send it to their secretary. No, I didn't ask permission. <laughs> and so regardless of your position, regardless if you're a manager, a supervisor, a director, you know, a vice president, you are always in a position to either advocate for yourself or somebody else or to, to make a difference. You're in a position to, to make change. And so don't let your individual contributor role or your job title limit you in doing those things. I love that. Even just in terms of like the non-formal approach to connecting members, because I feel like a lot of ERG leaders still lead, they lean so heavily on like newsletters and like email, but your use of Slack is very interesting. Absolutely. I mean, most people have it open, whether they're communicating with their teams or some type of tool, whether it's Slack or something else. And so if you already have it open because you're communicating with your team just by me pinging you and saying, Hey, I saw you at the last meeting. You, you saw my face. You may or may not, you know who I am, but once I introduce yourself, you'll make the connection and then going about it that way and setting up time. You know, if they're locally, let's grab it in person for me. If I'm going to be in their area because I'm traveling there later for work, let's set up time to do that then too. But if not, I mean, there are tools like zoom and others where I can hop online and we could, we could, you know, still talk and chat and get to know one another. And again, it doesn't have to be a deep thought 
full, you know, earth shattering type of conversation, but Hey, I'm a mom. Well, I have kids or I, you know, me and my partner, well, really, because my partner and I just got back from our honeymoon, whatever it may be. I think that there is connections to be made across. And, and again, I keep speaking from the member perspective, but this goes for our allies as well, because if they don't feel engaged, if they don't feel needed, if they don't feel part of the group, that connection, that drive, that passion to, to help the community is, is just, it's, it's not broken, but it's not as strong as it could be. And so Mm -hmm. I would absolutely say that in any aspect or any instance that you can reach out and connect with people, introduce yourself and just learn more about them because you'd find that, you know, you have a lot to talk about, even if you didn't think you did. Now, what would you say to the ERG leaders who might be hesitant to do that? Cause they feel like they might get ignored or yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cause I mean, rejection's real. Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. I would say that, you know, if you are working and you reach out to someone because you are trying to build these connections, you're trying to build these one-on-ones and they don't respond back, you can lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. So I'm getting to know you. I will probably try again in the future, but if you are uninterested, you're uninterested. So I'm not going to force that upon you. I think it goes back to that accountability piece of if you, if you want to participate, if you want the opportunities that we present and the benefits of this employee resource group, there is that accountability and, you know, response part of it and the participation and engagement part. But, you know, we are still here regardless as a resource, whether you come to meetings regularly or you've only been to one. And that's, that's the part of the community. We're not going to say, no, we can't help you because you've only been to one meeting, but, you know, I, I'm glad you finally reached back out. Yes, let's let's talk. Let's put time on the calendar and and do that. And so it's not shutting the door. It's just saying, you know what? Maybe maybe they're not ready or maybe, you know, they have too much going on or too much on their plate. And so therefore, you know, either way, I'm still here whenever they need that. Now, another this one is like an interesting pivot because I know when you started off, you said that you come from the TA organization. What is the relationship between the TA, and for those of you who don't know, TA is talent acquisition. What's the relationship? Recruiting, yes. <laughs> Recruiting. What's the relationship between that and ERGs? Absolutely. One, if you are in talent acquisition or recruiting, it is, you should absolutely talk about your company's employee resource groups as a pitch item because um, to get technical into the the data, the, the the information, the generations that are taking over the workforce, the generations that are being hired today, so millennials and Gen Zs, and even some of Gen X would are looking at companies' diversity and inclusion, you know, statements. They're looking at their reports, ESG reports, all of those things. In addition to, do they have employee resource groups? Do they have these things that represent a diverse workforce and show that they not only hire them, but once they get there, that they feel like they belong and that things are, you know, within accessible reach for them. And so in doing these things, by being proactive and talking about that during the recruitment process, that alleviates some of the either, you know, hesitation or the awkward conversations later when you get to the offer stage and they decline because lo and behold, your company doesn't have it. And so I would say, you know, talk about that initially, but even more so when you have these opportunities to recruit on behalf of your company, there are plenty of conferences like we discussed earlier. There are plenty of career fairs, whether they're in your field or at a university or what have you, where people of those identities are looking for careers, they're looking for jobs. And so understanding that this company is 
looking for people that either look like them or identify in the same ways as them, and they can thrive at that company is major. It's huge, especially considering, you know, oftentimes the groups that make up employee resource groups have been marginalized and haven't had the same equal opportunities. And so being able to say, not only do we provide these opportunities, but then we have a group to help you navigate that or have a group to help support you on that journey, I think is really important and, and shows that you, you care about that employee and their development. Mm, let's start with the fact that if you are ready to start recruiting on behalf of the ERG, that there's opportunities that are available. You brought up conferences. What are some other ways too that you can tap into these underrepresented communities? So something that I just got back from actually last week are university and college and um, just career fairs that you know schools put on where they have employers come in, whether it's virtual or in person, and you know talk to their students about their company, the positions that they have open. And best practices for many companies is to have employee resource group leaders and hiring managers go to these events, not only talk about their employee resource group, but talk about the open positions you have. And so not only are you seeing diverse people in, in, in multiple identities and different backgrounds attend these events, but then you're also seeing that they're in positions to hire people. You're seeing that they're all over the company. And so that's, that's one of the many ways to do it. In addition, LinkedIn, there, there are many ways on LinkedIn and other social platforms to, to talk about the diverse initiatives that your company has, um, to talk about the ways that your company prioritizes and really is accountable and is working towards their DEI goals, diversity, equity, inclusion. And so I think that we can easily find multiple avenues for us to get to that goal of hiring more diverse candidates to making sure that, you know, we're, we're being thoughtful and intentional in where we choose to go as well. We can't go to the same places and expect different results. We, we need to start getting really intentional and thoughtful about what is it that we want to accomplish in our ERG, in our, you know, in our recruiting efforts, and then how can, what, what avenues exist where we can meet those goals? If an ERG leader saying, okay, the representation of my community is low, I want to increase that. How do they go about partnering with the TA team to bring that initiative to life? What are some steps that they should consider? Absolutely. So actually, that's funny that you say that because I just scheduled these. If you have a program manager that helps your employee resource groups, I would absolutely say to reach out to them and see if they can make the connection and get on either a TA manager, like right, a recruiting manager or there's calendar and figure out how you can get invited to their staff meetings to have these conversations. And it doesn't have to be a long hour long meeting. It could literally be a 15 minute introduction of like, hey, this is what we would like to accomplish. We have these goals set in place. They're approved by our executive sponsor and they fully support it. What are next steps? And then there's that follow-up meeting of how you, you make that a reality. In addition, there are other ways to do this as well. If you know somebody on the talent acquisition team, so let's say you are a hiring manager. And so you regularly work with a talent acquisition specialist, or you work with a recruiter, having that conversation with your recruiter. Hey, I actually am on an employee resource group. And even outside of that, I, you might not be part of this group, but you know that you need to have a more diverse candidate pool and you are being intentional about that. Let's, let's start sourcing. Like, who can we talk to to source more diverse candidates? Who can we talk to or what do we need to do? And what do I need to do as a, as a manager to make sure if it's something that I'm doing, please let me know so I can change that of how I can have more diversity in my candidate pools, how I can have more people interviewing that come from different backgrounds. And, and that's, that's an easy one for hiring managers to, to accomplish is to talking directly to that talent acquisition per person that they work closely with. 
And then for, you know, people that are not hiring, maybe you're an individual contributor, so you're not a manager, you're not hiring, you are not a ERG lead, but you know that, you know, you, you look around and you see the representation or it doesn't look like you, the company doesn't reflect you, doesn't reflect the group that either you're trying to start or that, you know, you're part of it, it is easy as one talking to your manager and having that conversation. If you feel comfortable, I'm not going to put you in a position where you feel uncomfortable, but two, also going out on your own, you, you have your own LinkedIn. You have your own network. You have your own voice. And I think that goes back to not asking permission. And I think that goes back to talking about using that power that is within you and your, your bubble to, to influence others. And so using that to reach out and on your social media platforms, talk about the reasons why you joined this company and why you think it's a great place for, you know, that identity or what have you, or, you know, all of the great things that your employee resource group is doing and how, you know, you've benefited from that. And then others will see that and say, you know what, that's actually really cool. I would love to work at a company that also does XYZ. I'm curious how you get buy-in from maybe people who are not from the community to want to participate in these like diverse hiring initiatives with, in partnership with the ERG. Like if there's ally managers, how do you say this is a cause that you should support and hold them accountable too in that way as well? Absolutely. So there are several approaches to this. We talk about um, the reason why you have an executive sponsor is so that way they can push your priorities the, throughout the business and especially throughout their part of the business. So they should be cascading those things down throughout their part of the organization. In addition, they have the ear of others that are at their level and maybe higher or, or even directly below them. And so how can you also let other people at that senior level and cascade it that way or push it out that way. And so therefore it trickles down as well. And so in doing that, your executive sponsor plays a huge role in at least the institutionalizing and normalizing this, this topic, idea, initiative, program at a higher level and having it cascade downward to the rest of the business. But in addition to that, trying to get more people to pay attention. I talk about how like the business case for DE&I, um, is a slippery slope. We shouldn't have to convince people to be good people. But in that, I think there is something that is useful and that's talking about the value that this brings to the business. And so not necessarily like the business case of why we need to hire DEI or diverse candidates or do these DEI initiatives, but talking about the value that is received by everyone because of this initiative. And I, and I realize that they are very similar, but being distinct in the sense that I'm not trying to justify how this fits into the business for DEI, but more or less like, hey, by doing this, not even suggesting we shouldn't do it, but by doing this, we're doing XYZ and all of these things. And here's how it is valuable specifically to you and then even larger from there. And where do you find these managers who are interested in in being part of this because I imagine not everyone's like gung-ho to go for it you know if you have people who currently attend events even if they only come once there was some curiosity there start that conversation obviously if they're coming to more than one event you should have already reached out to them and had those conversations with them to to learn more and I think you start with who shows up once you've exhausted that list, that's when you can start branching out and talking to others. But that list shouldn't end because there are new people starting every day. There are more people coming and getting curious day by day. And so that list shouldn't run out. But in the off chance that it does, I think you also go with your gut of who do you know? Who, who is within your network? Who is within 
your ERG network that says, you know what, I had a conversation with so-and-so and I was really surprised because XYZ happened and we, we got, we were discussing this and, you know, I think that, you know, we should invite them to this thing the next time or, you know, have, have them join the conversation. And so I think it always goes back to community. How, how do you build that community within your identity group? Because even in yourself, you have your own connections outside of that identity group that we could leverage for our initiatives. And that includes allies. I love that. I'm sure we're definitely going to have to have you back because I still have a lot of questions, but I'm curious if you had to close with something that you feel like every ERG leader should know, what would you say that that thing is? You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You might feel overwhelmed and lost and frustrated even at times, but the thing is to keep going. The thing is to take time for yourself. Like even though you keep going, you keep pushing through, you need to reserve some time for yourself. You need to reserve some time for your mental health. You need to know that you're enough. You're enough. You're it. You don't have to seek validation. You're doing a good job. And for my members that maybe don't know how to, if you're, you aspire to be in a leadership position right within your ERG and don't know that avenue, show up, ask questions. That's the best advice that I can ask because I know that there is a literal infinite amount of knowledge out there that people are willing to share. You just have to step up and say, hey, I want to learn. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. The information is there. I mean, that was a great way to close it. The ERG movement, we try to bring on the dopest people who bring so many gems and this is no different of an occasion. Definitely want to thank you so much for joining. And like I said, we're definitely going to have you back because this episode was amazing. Thanks. I mean, you're more than welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and I will, you know, try and get back to you very quickly. I can't say it would be immediately, but you know, I do make it a point to respond. Awesome. Well, Whitney's information will be in the chat below or in the description box. So make sure to check it out, connect with her on LinkedIn. Absolutely. And beyond that, we'll see you all in the next episode.